Welcome to the Inside the Pylon Quick Kicks podcast for Tuesday, October 4th. Mark Schofield with you to take you through uh, what we've got today, and it's a great guest. Um, we've got Ryan Ducarm from Inside the Pylon, one of our great contributors. He's doing a ton of glossary work for us as well, some great stuff um, with the Pac-12 especially, and some stuff on the AFC East. Um, Chuck Zotta, unfortunately, can't be with us today, so I'm going to try to fill the, the host chair as best as I can. And the best way to do that is to turn to our terrific guest, and that's Ryan Ducom. Ryan, thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for having me, Mark. Uh, obviously, there's a couple of different ways we can go. You've done some great work, Pac-12, for us recently, but I wanted to start with your Buffalo Bills, fresh off a big <laughs> victory over the New England Patriots last weekend. What were your takeaways from that win in Foxborough? Well, it was the really first time first last couple games that i've come away really impressed with a rex ryan defense for the bills last year they're going through the transition phase um moving from that jim schwartz four three front uh wide nine look to the sort of traditional rex ryan 34 blitz you know the living daylights out of you um and you really saw that you know pay off the last two games uh, no points to the Patriots, regardless of whose QB is, is really impressive to me. And then you saw what a successful running game and efficient QB play from Tyrod Taylor can do. Um, move the ball down the field, mostly field goals, but when the defense was playing that well, that's all you really needed. I want to talk about that Rex Ryan defense. And as you pointed out, they've been in a bit of a transition, moving from that 4-3, that wide nine that Jim Schwartz used mm-hmm. to that sort of Rex Ryan, that defense we all know, that 3-4, get after people. We saw a bit of that early last year against Indianapolis in that season opener. They had some good blitz schemes. But what about the past mm-hmm. two weeks especially has really stood out to you from that de- defense, particularly up front? Well, you've seen just a lot of individual players start to – I think buy-in, and also Rex is letting them play their game. Last year, I think they went to a lot more two-gapping, sort of let the play come to you, react and make a play. This year, you got uh, you got Kyle Williams back healthy, which has been huge, uh, and you got Jerry Hughes just terrorizing offensive tackles. So the combination of those two up front um, and really improved inside linebacker play, uh, Zach Brown, uh, the free agent signing from Tennessee, has been outstanding for the Bills, uh, run and pass defense. And then Preston Brown, he, I believe he's a third-year player out of Louisville, um, really struggled last year in that sort of adjustment, but he's he's bounced back well. And both those linebackers uh, fill in the void of Reggie Ragland being out for the year. So it's been that letting players do what they do best and attacking up front. Jerry Hughes, Kyle Williams, even without Marcel Darius right now, the defensive front seven has been really impressive. Zach Brown was really a sort of under-the-radar sign-in, especially with the selection, like you said, of Reggie Ragland. He had a monster game against New England. 18 total tackles, 13 solo, one sack, three tackles for a loss, and two QB hits. How well has he really fit into this defense, and how important is he to this defense right now, given the defensive style that they're playing that 3-4 and the loss of Ragland? Well, with the loss of Ragland, he's been huge. That was one of my biggest worries coming into the year. Um, felt pretty good about our defensive line depth, even with Darius out. Um, have some good young guys. I really like Corbin Bryant, but behind Ragland, really nobody is sure what was going to happen. Um, so Zach Brown coming in and being able to play alongside Preston Brown and stuff the run has been the biggest thing so far. They're letting the D line eat up blocks and, you know, missing no tackles whatsoever. 
coming down downhill, you know, making plays. Um, that's been the biggest thing. And then he's been able to be solid at the very least in man and zone coverage. So I've been really impressed with Zach Brown so far. And like you said, very under the radar signing. I think he's one year, $1.25 million. So we got him for almost nothing. Um, he's really been a key piece of this defense so far. You mentioned good against the run. I mean, Rex Ryan, we talk about the blitz. We talk about getting after the quarterback. But stopping the run is also a big factor in how he likes to play defense. Through four games now, are you satisfied with how this team is able to handle the run game? Absolutely. That's been, I've been incredibly impressed uh, with the run defense so far. Um, playing both against you know quicker guys who are getting outside fast. Uh, Zach Brown's really an impressive athlete, and he's able to play pretty much sideline to sideline. Uh, and then you got a guy like Preston Brown, who's sort of a, a bit more of a classic downhill thumper. Um, so the combo of those two um, and some really athletic play at the outside linebacker position, I've really been impressed with the run defense. You know, being able to biggest thing so far has been miss, you know, limiting missed tackles. Um, saw that against the Patriots, really not letting guys get more than they asked for. Uh, other than a few really impressive runs, runs from uh, Legarrette Blunt. The run defense is really solid. You mentioned Tyrod Taylor, the quarterback, and the phrase you used was efficient. And I think that's kind of a great way to put it. And how efficient has Taylor been for this offense so far? First couple of weeks were, were ugly, uh, to be perfectly honest. I mean, really struggling with, with short you know, passes you need to hit on the money as an NFL quarterback. Um, and then with Sammy Watkins out, they've needed to hit those underneath routes as sort of an extension of the run game. Uh, and you've seen with the change from Greg Roman to Anthony Lynn as the offensive coordinator, a simplification of things. Uh, I liked Greg Roman. I liked the way he called games, but I think he overcomplicated things through a lot of plays at the players. And he'd sort of outthink himself. Um, you'd see certain ones where he's running these crazy sweeps, all this motion to the short side of the field, and it gets stuffed out for a loss of two. And I think Anthony Lynn has come in cut back the playbook and said, you know, do what you do best, get the ball into the hands of your playmakers, run the ball, hit Charles Clay, hit LaShawn McCoy on quick uh, timing routes. Uh, and that's what's been really nice from Taylor. It's it's tough without Sammy Watkins in there, uh, sort of light up that deep passing game, which is what he really thrived in last year. But if right now they can hit the short passing game, the occasional deep or intermediate play to Clay or maybe Marquise Goodwin, I think that's all they really need from Tyrod Taylor, the way the defense and the run game are performing. With Watkins being out, obviously you, you kind of highlight that, look, you know, this is going to be a team that's going to attack in the short, hope to hit a couple of plays down the field at most. Do you think that that's going to be a recipe that can allow Buffalo to win, particularly as it gets a little bit colder, the weather's not going to be nice up there in Buffalo? That's usually a recipe for a team to win around defensive running game. Do you think that almost plays to what Buffalo can do best? I think so, as long as they are efficient in what they can do in the passing game. If the short passing game struggles, if Tyrod Taylor's a little inaccurate, I think it can fall apart pretty quickly, just because if there's no threat of a deep ball, you know, if Marquise Goodwin has really struggled with injuries, I mean, he's an incredible athlete, incredibly fast down the field, but he's really struggled with those sort of minor hamstring groin injuries. If he's out, if Sammy Watkins is out, you know, the deep passing game's almost non-existent then. So, then you're really relying on the short passing game. You're telling teams that's what you're going to do. And if defenses start keying on that, 
and Tyrod Taylor is a little inaccurate, a couple of drops, it can swing uh, in not a very good direction for the Bills. But right now I'm really happy with how the offense looks, uh, you know, in, uh, in complement to the defense. Going to switch gears a little bit here. Obviously, I mentioned at the top, you cover the Pac-12 for us and Inside the Pylon as well. We had a huge game in the Pac-12 on Friday night. Um, Stanford uh, making the trip north to take on the Washington Huskies. The Huskies pulling out a huge victory that was led in large part by their defense. The offense performed well. They ragged up over 420 yards of offense, but it was that Huskies defense. They only gave up over just 213 yards and eight sacks in that game. Before we dive into a piece that you've sort of worked up for us on their defense, what were your major takeaways from that game? I mean, it was one-sided, which is pretty incredible considering the resume of Stanford football, both in the past and this year. I mean, they've been impressive, number seven in the country, and they really didn't look like they had much of a chance. You know, Washington defense, uh, like we're going to talk about, really impressive, uh, rushing the passer against the run. I think... Uh, Stanford ran for one yard per carry. Uh, I saw a stat that Christian McCaffrey had 73 yards from scrimmage, uh, which is his fewest since becoming the starter. So when you're shutting down an offensive weapon like Christian McCaffrey, you're doing something right. And then the offense was really impressive as well, running all over uh, the Stanford defense, which is not something that's incredibly easy to do. And you mentioned the eight sacks. And when you hear that kind of number from one game, you anticipate thinking – oh, this defense is going to be blitzing all the time. But as you point out, they sent more than four rushers and only one of those eight sacks. What was Washington doing with just four guys up front that they were able to get to the quarterback? Was it a coverage issue or were they doing stuff up front? Well, definitely coverage was really nice on the back end. But being able to rush for and get pressure quickly and take advantage of uh, some young players along the Stanford offensive line, (laughs) excuse me, um, that really helped and if you're rushing four and getting pressure quickly you can drop seven guys into coverage and that makes the job of a quarterback who doesn't have much starting experience really tough um like i talked about one blitz uh you know on their eight sacks and even that is not much of a blitz they had a couple of safeties and man coverage on a back and a tight end both guys stayed into pass blocks so the safeties actually just come down towards the box um, so they don't even make it into the backfield so they're barely blitzing at all um, but that's one of their sacks and it was really an impressive night for the Husky defense both scheme wise and just winning one-on-one battles to get after the quarterback one of the scheme aspects to this that you highlighted was something called the strong tackle weekend exchange what is that and how did that work for Washington on Friday night yeah so the sort of classic tackle end exchange is when a defensive tackle at the snap heads to the outside towards the offensive tackle. The defensive end takes one step and then loops behind the defensive tackle. The strong tackle weak end exchange is similar, except both defensive tackles slant one way, and then the defensive end loops behind both tackles and uh fills the empty gap left by them slanting to the other side. So that's uh, it was a fourth and two in the red zone, uh, and, and Washington ran this, got pressure very, very quickly. The two defensive tackles ate up four blocks along the Stanford offensive line. The outside linebacker was able to loop right behind, come in untouched, and uh, stop them on fourth down. It was a really big play for them, and that 
pretty much, I believe it was 20, 23 to nothing at that point for Washington, and that pretty much sealed the deal for them. Another sort of aspect to their pass rush that you highlighted was something that you termed cooperative Russian and how some of the pass rushers for Washington were able to occupy some blockers up front to open up some free lanes for their teammates. And you highlight a play near the end of the first half um, with 35 seconds left. Talk a little bit about cooperative Russian and how that sort of worked in Washington's favor. Yeah. So what Washington was doing is taking advantage of being able to win these matchups and forcing Stanford to account for other guys. So what they did uh, on this play I highlighted, it was a third down. They just got a sack on second down to really push Stanford towards the edge of their field goal range. Right at the end of the first half, uh, they're down 23 nothing. Stanford is. So what they did was just a four-man rush, uh, no twists, no stunts, but the right defensive end rushes all the way to the outside, takes the left tackle totally out of the play. The left defensive end goes to the outside and then spins inside, beats the right tackle, and forces uh, McCaffrey, the running back, to come up and double-team that defensive end. So that leaves the three interior guys against the two uh, defensive tackles for Washington. And then the three technique on the right side for Washington goes off the line and does a spin move to the inside. So left guard, who he's uh, right in front of, and the center double-team him because he spins right into the center zone, and that leaves the the nose tackle one-on-one with the right guard, uh, and he wins that matchup really easily. Bursts right off the line quicker than the right guard can move. Rip move right up the middle, and the quarterback had a second, maybe two, in the in the pocket before he could even get close uh, to getting a throw out, and, and the nose tackle got a sack real quick. So Washington moves to 5-0 and with the victory. They get a trip to Oregon, Oregon having a bit of a down year right now, and then they get a bye week before Oregon State at Utah at Cal. With the way the schedule sort of sets up for Washington, do you think they can run the table? I think it's definitely possible, and you saw a statement win from them on Friday. Uh, so there's no questioning sort of strength of schedule at this point. I mean, you beat Stanford uh, 44 to six. You can you can really run around with anybody, and then a pack, the Pac-12 this year is definitely up for grabs. So, you know, the way some teams are sort of, you know, Clemson's not quite what everybody thought they would be. Um, so I think the the Huskies, if they run the table, could definitely have a shot at the playoffs. Well, definitely check out that piece on Inside the Pylon. Uh, Ryan Dukarm looking at that Washington Huskies defense against Stanford. Follow Ryan on Twitter. He's at db ryan r-y-a-n underscore d-u-k-a-r-m give him a follow ryan thanks so much for coming on we'll look forward to some more great stuff for you both from the glossary and out of the pack 12 yeah thanks for having me mark that was ryan dukarm check out all his work including the glossary stuff that's up on inside the pylon.com right now mark schofield signing off for this edition of the quick kicks podcast we will be back tomorrow with michael nuttall He's a contributor to Inside the Pylon and a Cleveland Browns fan. We're going to talk to him about their start this year in the 2016 NFL football season.